Hey, all you nature nerds, this is You're Gonna Die Out There. Welcome back, nature nerds. Megan here, Jen across from me, ready to give you some stories of people in peril, some cautionary tales. Mm -hmm. And in this case today, Jen was telling me some animals in peril. So true. So Mm. sad. So welcome back. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Megan burned some popcorn before I came, so we got that going. Mm. The lights of the the pod lab now. I appreciate that. Well, I knew your children were coming and they love popcorn. Mm Mm-hmm. And I bought this wonderful popcorn, it's like a glass thing that you put the popcorn kernels inside and then you can pop them in your microwave instead of buying like single use popcorn bags. Right? Way so, to be sustainable. Because usually I pop it on the stove, but that then I got to wash a whole pot and that's, it's a big pain in the ass. Thing. I bought this thing and your kids were coming over and I was like, let me make them some popcorn. And then I went outside and I forgot to stay inside and listen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I burnt some of it. And when I came back in, you know, my air conditioning has not been working yeah. yesterday to today. So it was like a hot house. It's all coming together Mm -hmm. the burnt popcorn and the sweltering heat it's gonna be amazing (laughs) it's a real (laughs) ambiance but my kids like burnt popcorn because they're weird they were into it they came in i was like hey i'm so sorry they're like whatever they're like this is amazing thank you so much auntie megan you're the best yeah so anyway good job auntie megan in like two days from now three days from now oh i already know what you're gonna say but yeah yeah it's fat it's fat bear week yes so please do we we get to vote right we get to vote fat bear week it's coming up get on cat mike conservative we need to get a mug t-shirts we need to i want to be decked out from head to toe there's an artist who's making these like handmade crafts Mm -hmm. i I mean they made like a like a bear eating a salmon catching a salmon looks really cool so cat my conservancy they have all of their links online and they did fat bear jr last week and of course, I'm forgetting the number. I'm not going to look it up. But right if it now. was a name, you would remember it. Just saying. Whatever. It's probably like 182 or something. No, it's like. <laughs> I think they did give him a name. Yeah, of course. I like the before and after, like before they start to eat, you know, before they start their um, hyperphagia. Hyperphagia. We still need to make make a (laughs) t-shirt. Before they start the hyperphagia Mm -hmm. and they're all like kind of like skinny. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not skinny because they're grizzlies. And then after when they start doing the fat bear thing and they're just like so, so fat. (laughs) You're like, wow, that's a... That's a lot of salmons. That's a lot of salmons. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Because that is what you're supposed yeah. to do is eat it's a beautiful. bunch of salmons. It's beautiful. It is. Um, well, that's cool. I yeah. saw that. Yeah, you posted today. The countdown. The countdown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think some of our listeners are on it. Oh, for sure. And if you're not, get on it. I know we've gotten some more pictures of some animals, some more pictures of Dolores. Oh, Dolores. Dolores. The, uh, the little, beagle, Little right? itty bitty beagle. Yes. Dolores is lucky enough to have Sophie, one of our listeners, as her mom. Mm-hmm. And she sent us the most adorable pictures, which we're going to post. I'm super stoked on that. We need to spend a little time and get everyone's animal posts because mm-hmm. there are so many. I don't regret asking like for a them. a yearbook or I, a... Something. Something. A calendar. I don't know. We, we, do, need, to, we need to figure it out yeah, we'll very soon because we keep getting more and they're so good and I want to hold all of them. Mm-hmm. Also, I wish that everyone who's going to send in pictures of cats, like, let me know. Does your cat let you hold you, hold them like a baby? I love to do that to 
to Jesus, get. Megan. <laughs> this is my favorite thing. Uh, it's, it's a problem. I just imagine like, what if we ever did like a world tour? I mean, we'd have like three people there, but well, yes, some, you know, maybe someday mm-hmm. we would go around and like do those things podcasts people do where they do a live show. Right. And maybe some people would show up. Can they bring their animals? I think that we would have to choose venues in which animals are allowed. Okay. Just hear me out. I'm hearing you out. <laughs> can, we, can we go to Montana? Yes. And do... A podcast, yes. a YouTube podcast with, with Victoria, Victoria and Jesse mm-hmm. and all the animals. Yes. And then we can knit. I don't know how to knit. We're going to do this. It's going to be great. That could be a li- oh, that could be our first live show. Ag- Victoria, let agreed. us know if you're into it. Yeah. And then that's outdoors. It's good social distancing. We go hiking. It would be wonderful. Okay. I'd be into it. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Victoria, you're good with it, right? Cool. <laughs> We're, we'll be there in March. Wait, are we already making plans for We're this? We're making plans. Oh my God. We're doing this. You're going to have to help me plan. I'm the worst at planning that kind of stuff. Like getting on a plane and things. It's so much anxiety. It's all good. Related. I got you. I think other than that, we just have some Patreon shout outs we'll do at the end. At the end. Yes, yes, yes. Do you have a science news for us today? I maybe? have a science news for us today. I knew you would. All right. So I found this in sciencedaily.com. And this is entitled Personality Matters, even for squirrels. Social skills give social squirrels an advantage. I kind of miss squirrels. Yeah, I do too. There's things that since I've been been out on these islands almost 20 years maybe let's not even talk about okay that. Anyway. <laughs> so, so but yeah i miss i miss like when you did the raccoon episode and the yeah, squirrels and yeah opossums. even like yeah opossums and even skunks miss them okay so this is actually from uh september 10 so just a few days ago the university of california davis put out a paper talking about a study has now documented personality and golden mantled ground squirrels which are common across the western u.s and canada hmm Golden yeah. mantle. They sound very regal. They're pretty cute. They have like little gold heads. Oh, they almost. look, they look really like cute. Are they, they also smaller than usual? Li- they are. Okay. Yes. They're not like tree squirrels. Yeah. Ground squirrels are smaller. Yeah. Right? They're a little yeah. bit smaller. Yeah. It almost looks like a cross between a squirrel and a chipmunk because it's got that black stripe Super down the side. Cute. Yeah. This is actually the first study to document personality in these ground squirrels. I guess like to go and try to look at personality. Uh, they looked at four different personalities what's the word I'm looking for? Traits? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Let me find it. The four personality traits are boldness, aggressiveness, activity level, and social bu- social ability. Social sociability. Social ability. Why Soci- can't I do? It's all <laughs> sociability. 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 Yeah, let's go with that. That's good. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> um, scientists are hoping that the findings that they get from this study will actually help with the conservation, like management in conservation of species. So they're going to look at like personality traits, which is not typically something that people will look at in terms of wanting to help conserve species. You know what I mean? Right. And I would think that most, well, I don't know about ground squirrels, how often people study them from like citizen science type, you know, observations. Yeah. But I would imagine a lot of people who have squirrels in their yard know the personalities of the different squirrels and animals. My son watches that guy who builds stuff. He's like a, like an engineer on youtube uh, mark Roble maybe or mark oh god someone's yelling his name right now <laughs> um but i've had friends of mine share with me before where it's like he has squirrels in his backyard mm-hmm. and he puts together these obstacle courses for the squirrels to go through and each squirrel has like a different personality he and it's like pretty obvious he's like oh this squirrel is like really super into it and this is like big fat gus who turned out to be like a pregnant <laughs> a pregnant girl Female. squirrel <laughs> yeah he's like and he was like a lot. oh shit <laughs> how would yeah. you like it if somebody called you that when you were pregnant <laughs> oh my <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <Murder>. Death. <laughs> yeah, for sure 
so yeah, it's pretty obvious that squirrels, I mean, I feel like every animal has some kind of personality. They're not, I mean, I think we spend too much time anthropomorphizing maybe, especially when I talk to my cats, I de- mm-hmm. you know. They, they're like they're like family members. They are, and they have personalities. Let's they do. Not, let's yeah. not think they yeah. don't. Exactly. Anyway, to get back to the article, <laughs> <laughs> let's stop talking about your cats, Megan. I'm sorry. So they were studying these golden mantled ground squirrels at the Rocky Mountain Biological Laboratory in Gothic, Colorado, and I was like, what? there's a place called there. Gothic, Colorado. Like I would. 100%. I wonder what their Halloween is like. I immediately was like, we need to go look that up. But I didn't. So I'll look it up later. Anyway, they've been looking at them for decades, apparently. 30 years ago, the, the person who wrote, who did this study, their, what's it called? Mentor? Mm-hmm. Advisor. There we go. That's the word. Dirk Van Vieren. So he's a professor at UC Davis Department of Wildlife, Fish, and Cons- Conservation Biology, has been studying these squirrels for 30 years. That's amazing. So it's like a long-term study site, which is pretty sweet. That is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people don't make it even minutes into that with like a marriage obviously this uh study can't be done with like personality tests it can't like hook sit the squirrel in front of like a computer and they just like you know which one is you more often or not you know <laughs> do you run after other squirrels for territory yes or no you know, right like they can't do that so I mean, they, they can try <laughs> they can try they set up four different areas where they could study so there's like a novel environment so that's where they're just enclosed in a box with mm-hmm. lines and holes. Um, there's a mirror situation where the squirrel is shown a mirror image, but not themselves. Mm-hmm. So just like another squirrel in front of them. And then there's one called flight initiative. This is when squirrels were approached slowly in the wild, uh-huh. which I thought was kind of like funny. Just a bunch of scientists. I imagine them in lab <laughs> coats, right? And they're just like creeping towards the squirrels. Like all to cartoonish. See, yeah. To see how quickly they would run away. Uh-huh. Like how long they would stay and then how quickly they would run away. And then the last one is behavior in track. So they would catch squirrels, uh, not harming them, you know, like not catching them on like a glue pad or something. Just like, oh, my God. I'm sorry. Humane traps in a simple trap. And then they would watch their behavior for a little while. Okay. What they found is that the squirrels who were more bold had a larger core area, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. uh, where they did all of their activities. They moved a lot faster. They were more aggressive and active and they had greater access to perches. So I guess ground squirrels like to perch on top of rocks so they can see predators easier. So if they're more bold. I guess, I mean, it almost seems like not bully squirrels, but just like the more aggressive squirrels got yeah. what they wanted, which, which, right? It is how it is. Come on, man. Yeah. Like the, the socially awkward introverted squirrels didn't like win out. Well, I mean, I guess we could look at politics right now at some of the insane ridiculousness Ooh. and it's just the loud people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just loudness. Golden mantle squirrels, interestingly, are considered an asocial species. So they're kind of like little individuals. Like usually gray squirrels are like tree squirrels, like Mm -hmm. spend more time together when they're growing up. But golden mantled squirrels um, typically don't. They don't have like a family unit that they hang out with. It turns out that in this asocial species, having the ability to be more social Mm -hmm. or more aggressive or whatever works out better for them. So I don't know if it would be different for like tree squirrels, because then maybe you have like a posse. Like, what if I'm an introvert, but really I'm like the dawn of the family? You know what I mean? <laughs> you're just the one in the back, like telling Making people. Making them off, you can't refuse. You know what <laughs> I mean? Back, back there, like, you're just like telling yeah, them which way to go, exactly. what to do. 
Anyway, I don't think I mentioned the main author for this paper, uh, Jacqueline R. Aliperti, out of the University of California, Davis. So I'm sorry. So is she part of the study? Does she participate as a squirrel? Or <laughs> Does yeah. she sneak up on squirrels I, in a lab? I though? hope so. Uh, one of the last thoughts that Aliperti had in here is, animal personality is a hard science, but if it makes you relate to animals more, maybe people will be more interested in conserving them. And I was like, this goes back to names and numbers, which we just talked about. Mm-hmm. That... Okay, it's true. It's true. I'm going to admit. Wait, wait. <laughs> is this happening? Like, we're recording this right do now? I, I mean, but do I want that to be the way? No. I want people just to be happy to help with Look, conservation. Sometimes hard science is just not, it's not palatable to a lot of people. It's true. It's but when true. you're like, look, you know, Gus over here. Big fat Gus. Big fat Gus the did this. Squirrel. Isn't that cute? And they're all mm-hmm. like, hey, Gus. Versus squirrel A24936789. <laughs> it's like, what? no one wants to... <laughs> There's no, there's no like sure, sure. feeling attached to that. Right. Anyway, I thought that was a nice little article about squirrels and people looking at their behavior and mm-hmm. kind of interesting, a nice thought to like, oh, yeah, maybe if we did less anthropomorphize, but more understand personality, mm-hmm. then yeah, maybe that could lead to better, better management, better conservation options. Well, I think just, just even going back to the whole fat bear competition. Sure. Just brings so much fun to that. And it's promoting conservation and uh, it's educational. And yeah, those people like they, they knew what to do. Smart. Especially we've been seeing a lot of sad bear stories lately. I think it was Laura mm-hmm. shared with us a story about a black bear who had been relocated 125 miles away from a town that it was in because it was raiding trash cans. Mm -hmm. He, I think it was a he, walked all the way back to that town and then they ended up putting the the bear down because it was raiding trash cans and causing a disturbance in the community again. And people are apparently very upset about it. There's two factions because I think it was DLNR who put the bear down. Wow. But anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I I wish they had relocated that bear to like some kind of bear sanctuary or something else. Well, Obviously, that was where that was his territory. That's where he wanted to be. Yeah. And human wildlife conflict. So I have a story today. Actually, we got an email via the form submission. Oh, yeah. On our website from Kayleen. Mm -hmm. I won't read her whole message, but basically she just said she just started listening and she really enjoyed the podcast and she was hoping we could cover orcas or killer whales. Oh, yeah. So because she said they're kind of terrifying to her because they're just so brutal in the wild, the way Mm -hmm. they just kill stuff, you know, and they're so intelligent. And so I thought, let's do that. This one's for Kayleen. I once went down a rabbit hole of orca videos. So I did for this. Well, I watched the main one. Yeah. Blackfish. Yeah. Which I never wanted to watch. I've never seen it. I actually have never seen it. It's too. um, No, it's it's okay. okay? It's okay. okay. It's not like your freaking sad elephant ones. I can't yeah, even. Or, you watched an elephant get electrocuted. Yeah, that was all of those things were horrible. Yeah. But this one, um, I didn't want to watch it because I knew it would be heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I already know. And so and I've been to SeaWorld. Maybe it was like 10 years ago. But I didn't go to any of the shows. I was actually in San Diego for a sea turtle conservation meeting. Conference. Yeah. Conference. Thank you. And mm-hmm. it was a big deal. It was like two years in the making of bringing some of the field technicians that worked on the remote islands where we did sea turtle research. Mm-hmm. And I was able to bring four of them to this conference so they could present. This, yeah 
event and yeah. it was a really big deal. It was amazing. And so for people who they'd never been to the US yeah. or really anywhere, yeah. some of them have never been off the islands. And so we ended up going to SeaWorld. Somebody gave us some tickets. And so we basically just went and looked around, mm-hmm. but we didn't go to the shows because I was like, eh, I'm not really into that. And But they really wanted to go. So we went. Yeah. End of story. And well, you know that I, I was born and grew up and for four years of my life in Florida. Yes. <laughs> Formidable years. <laughs> Formidable years. Exactly. <laughs> I went to SeaWorld a lot as like a kid mm-hmm. because my uncle worked at Walt Disney World and we had family live down there. So we'd go to all of the theme parks. Uh, I don't think I started like realizing how messed up it was until you don't. later. Like yeah. as a kid, I was like, I loved it. It was yeah. amazing. And you're like in awe. Yes. You know, when I got into like high school, I was like, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's something's <laughs> not right about this because I think critically. Yeah, about this. you don't you know, you go and you just it's entertainment and you eat it up, especially as a kid. What are you? How oh, are you going to know? It's just amazing. unless there's an adult that tells you, hey, guess what? These are things that these are things you should so think good. about. So I'm going to talk about orcas in captivity and in the wild. Ooh. And I'm going to start with a couple of stories. So going back to 1991, February 20th in Victoria, BC, there was a marine biologist, student and competitive swimmer. Her name was Kelty Byrne. She was 21 years old and she was working at the Sealand of the Pacific as a trainer, like learning, training to be a trainer. She slipped and fell into a pool containing three killer whales. Mm -hmm. One was Tilikum. He's a male. There was another one called Haida 2 and and Nootka 4. I guess they were like, I don't know if they're like the fourth in line or why they have the numbers next to them. So she fell in and unfortunately the three wells submerged her. They dragged her around the pool so that she couldn't surface. At one point she reached the side of the pool and was trying to get out, but the whales pulled her back in. There were other trainers there trying to help her. They threw out a life ring, but the animals kept, you know, the orcas kept pulling her away from it. Um, They ignored the trainers. They were just basically playing with her. So she surfaced about three times before drowning mm-hmm. and but it was several hours before they could even get to her and get her body out of the pool because they would not let anybody go into the pool a year and a half later after her death the sea land closed down they do talk about this in the documentary blackfish which mm-hmm. is really good but um they did talk about it and the people who talked about that incident were saying that it was just like kind of a dumpy sad place with small pools mm-hmm. it just seemed kind of like old dingy right. maybe there were people that actually witnessed this happen and they couldn't do anything about it nobody could do anything so that place closed probably it wasn't a great place to begin with and and then after that event, they were like, we're, yeah. we're out. Yeah, let's just never mind this. And SeaWorld bought all three of those orcas. Tilikum and the Nukta went to Orlando and the other one. And she had a calf by that time were shipped to San Antonio. And that calf was actually sired by Tilikum. Let's talk about Tilikum because he is kind of a famous one. Yeah, I was going to say I know that name. Yeah, they called him Tilly or Tilikum. Probably mm-hmm. you would because he was in Orlando. Right. Right. So if you were a little, going there or throughout your life you he would have been the one he was huge mm-hmm. and he would have been the one to come out and do like the splash all the things at the, the end yeah the big right? when you sit in the splash zone and yes get, yeah because he's the biggest one and so he would do like the pectoral wave and then splash everybody right yeah, yeah. at that point when they moved him he was about 10 years old mm-hmm. and he had been caught off the coast of iceland in 1983 when he was two years old what they call him is he's a son of iceland and he was a, a big icelandic bull orca at this time at that time he was still kind 
kind of small, but they captured him with two other young killer whales by a Persane net. After about a year in the tank there in Iceland, he was transferred to Sealand of the Pacific in Oak Bay, Vancouver Island. They had already had those other two older females. And what happened because of the way, and I'll go into more detail about their social structure, but it's mm-hmm. a matriarchal social structure. They just were vicious to him. They beat him up so badly that he would, they said he was covered in scrapes from like the their teeth. I mean, he was just abused. They had to actually put him in this small medical pool just to keep him safe from the other ones. Oh my gosh. But imagine he was in captivity. He measured 22 and a half feet long. That's 6.9 meters and weighed 12,500 pounds. Jesus. He was huge. He was a huge male. His pectoral fins were seven feet long and his fluke, the one on their back, was six and a half feet tall. Of course, it had completely fallen over and uh, collapsed completely. The reason that happened, at least most scientists believe that it collapses in captivity, which they haven't, it's very, very rare it would happen in the wild. Mm -hmm. Like they just don't see it. But they think it happens in captivity due to this kind of unidirectional swimming because they just go in these shallow, small circles. Right. And in the wild, they regularly, like constantly dive very deep. They swim hundreds of miles, supposed to help strengthen their like six foot tall dorsal fin as they grow and develop and it helps it kind of build up. So they Mm. think that it's due to not being able to swim as much as they do straight, right? Mm -hmm. 60 miles a day and dive um, deep down. That makes sense. Just a roller derby thing. We always, you always skate to the right Uh in roller derby. I'm sorry, to the left. Jesus Christ. I am amazed you're making a roller derby connection right now, but I love it. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you always, when you play a game, you're always skating to your left. Uh Left, 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 left. And at the end of practice, we would always do like cool down laps to your right because you would get, you would get so used to bending over on that one side and like you're that my left leg is always so much stronger it's the same in paddling yeah like you have to keep it even yeah or yeah or it's bad news it's but. bad news um but so they said that there's never been a known instance of a dorsal fin mm-hmm. that's been collapsed ever straightening back up just how it is yeah then. that's just how it is if you ever saw him if you can remember you would have seen that and there, there'll be some pictures for those who haven't seen him but all the males that's what happens it doesn't necessarily happen to the females because their fin is small yeah. is much smaller. He was at the Orlando SeaWorld as a captive orca with the other ones. Again, he was getting beat up. They kept using him in the shows. They worked with him like the trainers and they all loved him. The mm-hmm. trainers, if you watch uh, Blackfish, they all loved him. They thought he was the best. There was one guy in particular that was really close to him. And a lot of the trainers now, I mean, they were on that documentary because they were so young when they got into it and mm-hmm. they they didn't know. It's kind of like what we're saying as kids. Like we didn't know how bad it was. We just thought, oh, these animals are so beautiful this is so neat i mean any kid would be like i want to be a dolphin trainer or a oh you i'm know. sure those words came out of my mouth oh, after watching a show like i'm course. gonna train orcas yes guaranteed i said because it, it just looks so cool yeah. and mm-hmm. so fun and that's what these people thought but yeah. after not so long of being there they realized wow um, this is really messed up and then at that point they care about the animals they don't yeah. want to leave because they're like well what's going to happen if i leave right i'm the only one that can care for this animal as best you know because i can't lift this animal and go put it in the ocean you know yeah like i have this animal stuck here i have to stay so i can take care of it mm-hmm. i feel like i would have been the same way i'd be like well the circumstances are horrific but right. i need to stay and take care of you because who if i just leave you somebody might come in and like abuse you or 
something. Right. So a lot of them had that thinking and it was really heartbreaking to kind of watch because I could really relate to how Mm -hmm. they felt and what they were doing and also just how much they didn't know because SeaWorld didn't tell them. In July of 1999, there was a 27-year-old guy, Daniel Dukes, and you may have remembered hearing about this. He snuck in or else he... Didn't leave. Right, right, right. And he hid. Mm-hmm. And he stayed overnight. And he went into, because probably he's like, I want to swim with the orcas. I'm going to do this, right? Well, he got into the wrong pool because he went into Tillicum's pool. And his it was this like what they call his sleeping pool. He took off his clothes, jumped in. Sure. And the next morning when they came in, they found this guy naked and dead on Tillicum's back. They said he was on his back. And the autopsy found numerous yeah. wounds, contusions abrasions covering his whole body his genitals were bitten off oh no yeah so hopefully that happened after he already drowned or died yeah there were a lot of cameras i mean there's camera it's sea world there's there's cameras everywhere Mm -hmm. yet sea world claim we didn't see we didn't see anything oh capture anything no right i definitely remember the story and thinking like that's scary just the idea of well, yeah. one, it being nighttime, but also... Also, the medical examiner said that there were no drugs or alcohol found in his system. Like, this was something he planned on doing. This was something he sure. planned on doing, and maybe oh. he had some mental health issues. I mean, it had to be. Because sure. if no drugs or alcohol are found, why would you pursue that? Why would you want to Why would that? you take that thought and run with it? I'm sure everybody would have that thought for a fleeting moment. Like, wouldn't it be cool to sneak in and jump? Sure. <laughs> but I, you don't do it. I'm pretty sure I've had that conversation with friends of mine when we were in high school, like, hey what if we like snuck into the mall bathroom and spent the night in the macy's and like (laughs) yeah it's you're like ha ha ha, that'd be so funny but no one ever does it well because we all know mannequins come alive at night and will murder you so that's why you would never that age well did a really good episode (laughs) on mannequin just fyi i feel bad for whatever his last moments were yeah because that couldn't have been good that he's like i've made a huge mistake yes yeah yeah poor guy and his family so 11 years later, in February, and I know you heard about this too, in 2010, same same guy, Tillicum, he killed 40-year-old trainer Don Branchow. She was like their lead trainer. Yeah. She was super bubbly, cute, fit, like did her job. She cared so much. I guess she was very safety conscious. All the staff that they interviewed were like, we just would never in 100 million years think that it would be her that this might happen to because right. she was just so good with you know the animals and she spent a lot of time with that particular orca and she she cared about him and you know and I think for her and a lot of them and this is their words is that they kind of felt a connection with Mm -hmm. the orcas like I care about you you care about me let's do this apparently that day he seemed more agitated than usual for some reason there's certain like ways that they train you know they get food they get fish and if they do something and they do it right they get the fish but if they don't do it right it's like they give them like a 30 second or 60 second i don't know they said in the show a pause Mm -hmm. to show them and that lets them know that they didn't do the the trick correctly Mm -hmm. and then they'll get something so what had happened was he was doing the pectoral wave yeah around and she whistled or signaled to him to stop but he did it the whole way around and because he didn't get it right that pause happened which was right by her but maybe he didn't hear it sure also the fish was getting low you know they know like this is the end of the Mm -hmm. food another thing that they said was that when he was still at 
the original sea park that mm-hmm. he went to, when he didn't do something right, it was him and the other orca that got reprimanded or got, I guess, what's like the they word? withheld food from them or something. Yeah, they withheld food or so it, every time he did something wrong, it wasn't him that suffered the consequences. It was also oh. the other ones and he would get beat up for that. Oh, no. Yeah, that was part of that conditioned if he makes a mistake. Yes. Yeah. Which kind of reminds me of your animal training episode. Yes. At a point, they just can't do anything right and they can't deal with their environment. It's just, it's like overwhelming. The elephant. Yes. Mm -hmm. And these are insanely smart animals. And I, after reading this, I'm 100% convinced that they're way smarter than us. So anyway, so he didn't get the treat. He was already agitated. And this is coming from the trainers that watched the video. So after everything was over, there was this Dine with Shamu show. And it's supposed to be a time where they kind of go after the show and she would like hold him and pet him and you know whatever it was kind of like the end but people are still there and so whenever she had him come over and she was and you can see it there's some video or images of her like petting him i've totally seen the video yeah and then he he grabbed her they said he grabbed her ponytail Mm -hmm. they tried to blame her for wearing a ponytail for wearing a ponytail which Mm -hmm. makes me want to just like scream yes yeah what happened is he grabbed her arm because he was you know over it over it i you know we don't know but he pulled her underneath the water he just pummeled her for 45 minutes i mean obviously she drowned but it was also blunt force trauma so for 45 minutes they could not get him to stop and at the end her spinal cord was severed she had fractures to her jawbone ribs cervical vertebra her scalp was completely torn from her head her left elbow and left knee had been dislocated and he had bitten off her arm and swallowed it they had to try to distract him with putting down nets and having food but they finally got him into a smaller medical pool Mm -hmm. and they tried to like calm him down he was just so agitated he spent after that all his time in that small pool and they didn't bring him out to the public for a while and people would watch him and it's even on the video that he would just spend hours just laying on the surface not moving which is 100% opposite of what a ornorca would do in the wild they're constantly moving even when they're sleeping they're moving it's so heartbreaking really the whole thing it's heartbreaking for the trainer and her family and it's heartbreaking for the animal but a year later he returned to performing in 2011 So OSHA came in and was like, hey, you guys, nobody's going to touch him anymore. So they would use these high powered water hoses to massage him Mm -hmm. rather than like using hands or touching him. Mm -hmm. And they also put up these guardrails um, and use platforms. So to like reinforce safety. But it's just funny because that's not the root of the problem, is it? No. (laughs) Yeah. Then at that point, he was only brought in at the end to do the splash bit. So Mm -hmm. they're like, "Okay, come out of your tiny pool, perform for us and then go back to your jail. Jesus. Um, the other reason they like to keep him around is because he made a lot of babies. Wow. So they were like fully breeding. Oh, they were him. doing captive breeding. Mm-hmm. Wow. During his life, he sired 21 calves. Nine of those are still alive. And most of them that were born past the year 2000 mm-hmm. were via artificial insemination. So they trained him to be cool while they pulled semen from him so they could use it so they could make, you know, because it wasn't so palatable for people to be for people to be pulling orcas out of the wild once they knew what was going on people were like we're not cool with that right but if they're captive bred it's totally fine right no big deal no big deal 
They actually put him with some of his like grandkids, <laughs> some of these, and they would perform this one ocean show with another like a male and a female that he was with at the same time. In 2011, he was sick for a while, but then resumed back in 2012. And in 2016, SeaWorld announced that his health was deteriorating. They thought he had a lung infection or bacterial pneumonia, which apparently is a very common cause mm. of death for captive orcas and dolphins. In 2016, he was getting better, but then in January of 2017, they announced that he had died early in the morning. It was reported as bacterial infection, and he was 34 years old. That's a bummer life. For such an amazing animal to have been forced into that life right. and have those things happen, it's just really heartbreaking. And people suffered. He killed three people. So let me just tell you, death by orca in the wild, zero. There have been no fatal attacks recorded in the wild from orcas. Ever. From killer whales. Never, ever. What? It may have happened at some point in sure, history, sure, sure. like what? a long time yeah. ago. Whalers or something. Or but some, yeah, because yeah, they're known to mess with boats sometimes, but mm-hmm. no deaths. There have been a couple of injuries, but it's mostly like, sorry, dude, I thought you were a seal. Yeah. Moving on, right? <laughs> like they bumped somebody. There's been, in the again, captivity, there's been four deaths until Tilikum was involved in three of those. Jeez. And the other one was another killer whale that had been bred mm-hmm. in captivity at SeaWorld. Oh. I'll tell you about that one. I'm just thinking about how how vilified killer whales are. Granted, they're very large, strong creatures who, you know, I mm-hmm. mean, that's scary for sure. But mm-hmm. I guess I never realized that the only deaths that happen have been in captivity. And those are horrific, horrific deaths. Yeah, I was for sure when I started researching this that I was going to see um, at least a handful of deaths in the wild. Yeah, like researchers or, mm-hmm. or recreational divers or something. Yep. Yeah. Nope, nothing. Wow. There's a few theories about why orcas, they think they don't attack humans in the wild, but generally it's the, it comes down to that they know what to eat and what not to eat because they're taught by their mothers Sure. what's safe and what's okay. And they also use echolocation to lock in their prey. Mm. But let me just tell you that dolphins aren't so innocent. Oh. <laughs> well, we know. We know <laughs> how they treat each other. Yeah. But there has, I and I didn't really go down that because that can be a whole nother episode oh, and I'll yeah. let you do that one. You, you can do the dolphin episode. But I know there was a confirmed death from mm-hmm. like ramming people. Yeah. They're very aggressive. Yeah. Much more so than these guys. So anyway, just saying. We all love dolphins. I love them. They're so cute. Yeah, they are so cute. Killer whales in the wild were known to scare and be aggressive with humans, mm-hmm. pushing on their boat or maybe, you know, trying to mess around with certain things, especially for fishermen or people that are in their territory. In their territory mm-hmm. But never a death recorded. One recorded incident was on the Terra Nova expedition. <laughs> Shut the front door. I I know early oh, and around the 19 around 1910 so 19, yeah 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 just so you know if you guys haven't listened to that episode go back and listen to it but i was just like what connecting that's amazing connecting all the pieces right here i love it so there was they recorded that killer whales attempted to tip ice flows where the expedition photographer and the sled dog team were standing <laughs> i'm like they would have eaten those dogs oh those are like, I mean, they're land They're seals. land seals. Yeah, yes, exactly. For sure. So yeah. I'm sure they were trying to figure that out. From what I could find, I only found a total of seven incidents recorded, mostly from people in boats mm. and um, a surfer that was bitten in 1972. Oh. That's it. Wow. But no, no, no death. Yeah. Now captivity is another story. From what I could find, mm-hmm. which there could be more that weren't recorded, more than 40 attacks and four fatalities in captivity. One year before Don Branchell was killed, 
on December 24, 2009, 29-year-old Alexis Martinez died during a rehearsal for a Christmas Day show at the Loro Park in Spain. He was their main, again, like their lead trainer. He actually trained with Don and he was great. Everybody was like, he was the best. It's another situation where you have like your kind of lead trainer, the one who really knows and they didn't do anything wrong. It's the nature of the line of work they were in, you know, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that they were ever told the true story. Going back real quick to Mm -hmm. Tilikum is that when he him and the other two orcas drowned the marine biologist, the trainer in Canada. Oh, yeah. The trainers at SeaWorld Orlando were never told about that. Oh. They had no idea that he had been aggressive and involved in a death. A little cover-up action. <sighs> yeah. I would definitely want to know that. If I were working with an animal, I would want to know well, you would just, the history. Yes. You would mm-hmm. take extra precautions and, uh, I mean, at least you know. So you can mm-hmm. make that decision. Yeah. But they didn't know. In this case, in Spain, they had a 14-year-old male orca named keto <laughs> like keto nice who like i said was born at SeaWorld orlando in florida he had been training with alexis for quite a while what happened is he ended up ramming him in the chest which made him go unconscious and then he drowned before people could rescue him the park kept saying that it was not an attack but an unfortunate accident caused by some playful roughhousing but they also said keto was not being completely predictable the subsequent autopsy report revealed that alexis died due to serious injuries he sustained from the orca attack including multiple compression fractures and tears to his vital organs with bite marks all over his body oh my gosh yes been there since 2004 i'm sorry playful roughhousing with someone who's like even 10 pounds heavier than me is like not okay you know what i mean uh, yeah. playful roughhousing with uh, how many pounds like i mean that's like, like my six pound like dog tons i'm cool of, with that yeah sure exactly <laughs> but i'm not even cool with playful roughhousing with our bigger dogs right no that's like no stop that business i'm like hey but I mean, with a freaking orca? Come on, man. With a six-ton orca? Yeah, cannot. That's That's not a thing. Yeah, so that was really tragic. If you watch, again, the documentary, they talk about it. Mm. It was just a really young, like, you know, and I guess he was kind of getting ready to leave, maybe preparing to leave that job. Um, It was just really tragic. You know, they interviewed his mom and his wife, and they said when they went to see his body, Mm -hmm. they were like, oh, it's he's okay, he just drowned, and they were like, no. And they covered him up completely completely so you couldn't see it's just his face let's just say what it is right like let's not hide don't it. sugarcoat it yeah and also how stupid do you think people are right you know this is a situation of like money over the care for these animals right and the safety of the people working with them i'm gonna talk about their biology let's do this killer wells it's that time of the episode biology time it's, everyone listen up here we go class we'll take about some animals genus and species is orsinus orca the killer well also known as the orca is the ocean's top predator, Megan. The largest member of the Delphinidae family. Oh. They're a member of this family to include all dolphins and larger species like the long-finned pilot whales okay. and short-finned pilot whales. They've been around for 11 million years. And I came across this article, but I didn't have time to go down that rabbit hole because I needed to just stop already. I found this article that was like 50 million years ago. Somehow, uh, just just hear me out. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, they connected them to originally being a type of deer. <laughs> 
What? 50 million years. Let's just. So it was a deer that stayed in some sort of swampy area. And it was a tiny deer, like the size of a cat. Oh. I know. It gets weirder, right? When it, you, your brain's like, I can't compute. So it lived in the swampy areas and it would hide in the water to hide from predators. And then eventually, I think it just, and it would go underwater and hide and come out. And then the it mammal, evolved. Because they're into... mammals, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. then over 50, or well, it's like 40 million years, they evolved into what we know today as the killer whales. That is amazing isn't that insane anyway i did it like i said i i don't have much more on that because i just like kind of skimmed an article and i was like what the anyway this makes me think of these deer that one of our followers tim uh, sent us a little link about these vampire deer just go look it up that's okay. all i'm gonna say go just look vampire it up. deers vampire that's deers amazing. well yeah. i'm just thinking of a deer the size of a house cat that look likes look, likes to go in the water i want I'm one. like i can't <laughs> that's so it's just mind-blowing yeah a swampy house cat deer <laughs> It's perfect. Things that you cannot believe actually existed. I know, right? I think that's where that lands. Why are they called killer whales, you say? You ask. Uh, with such a, such a like, with your eyes, like evil I moniker. I know. Well, killer so what whales. happened is they always used to follow boats around. And there's a lot of... I didn't also go down this path, but there was a lot of information about how they would work with different fishermen. And especially in like the New Zealand areas and some fishermen would record that they would help them bring the fish in. Oh, like maybe channel them to like one channel area? Channel them in. And there was also talk of like if a, they fell out of a boat or like a boat went down that they would protect them from sharks, which is kind of nuts. That sounds like a dolphin story a little bit. Just yeah. Cause... They say ancient sailors that saw them hunting and preying on larger whale species which they do certain ones do that called them whale killers and there's a name for that mm. like Asina balinas they flipped it around later and said killer whale but their latin name orsinus orca also reflects that because it translates to of the kingdom of the dead and orca refers to a kind of whale interesting yeah of the kingdom of the dead whale that's that's some lord that's, of the rings stuff right that's there a, like, really orcas are the goths of the sea is that what we're saying well i mean here? look I mean, it Jesus. They got the like, you know, they got the look. Right, they do. It's yeah. true, all that black. And... I know. So, and then speaking of that, they are the most recognizable mar- mm. marine mammal, right? Because they it's have true. their black body with a white underside and a gray patch called a saddle or cape on their back just behind their right. dorsal fin. And it's a type of disruptive coloration. Anybody who went through biology classes, we learned about animal coloration and what it all means in these different patterns. So it obscures the outline of their body by contradicting their shape. So it disguises it as a potential predator to other animals because obviously they're apex predators. Mm-hmm. Nothing eats them. So, but more so, so they can sneak around and sure, eat other sure. stuff. On the flip side, like how butterflies have things that look like eyes on the backs of their yes. wings. Mm-hmm. Or things will look poisonous when they're not. Right, right, right. So right. kind of similar to penguins, killer whales are counter shaded, darker top surface and lighter underneath. So when viewed viewed from above, they it blends in with the dark ocean. And when seen from below, the lighter belly. Blends in with the, the yes. sky. Yeah, okay. Brighter sense. sea surface. They swim very fast, up to 35 miles per hour. Dang. But oh. they're not the fastest. Almost as fast as a moose running. Moose run. She just had to throw that moose. I know everybody loves your moose episode, by the way. <laughs> it was great. Um, whereas dolphins are the fastest mammals yeah. swimming, 37 miles per hour. Oh. So they beat them by a little bit. I mean, it's like, like you nothing. Know. It's just because they're more sleek. I they're know. Smaller. They're, they're smaller. They can cut through the water. And more faster. aggressive. There you go with the bold behavior. I'm telling you, dolphins are messed up. <laughs> I still love them. Um, they have about 45 teeth and each of them are about seven centimeters long. That's, that's a lot. That's a lot of teethies. Yeah, it's a lot. They're shaped for ripping and tearing prey. Perfect. Instead of chewing their food, they take a big gulp. And believe it or not, they swallow small seals and sea lions whole. Sure. <laughs> 
And bigger prey is ripped into chunks and eaten like if they're going to eat a big whale. And they just digest everything, yeah? Yeah, crazy, huh? Here's the most interesting thing that I think I didn't know. Well, a lot of these things I didn't know, Mm -hmm. right? But I didn't know that they have distinct populations in different regions but it has a lot to do with their diet because they don't all eat the same things right depending on where they are globally whatever's available right no animals hunt them except humans <laughs> yay uh, way to go people they're the only known predators of the great whites i knew that about them yeah so, so random so crazy they also feed on fish and squid and seals seabirds other whale species they're also known as the wolves of the sea which is why i think our listeners Kayleen was like they're just brutal yeah they eat everything they've been known to eat polar bears that's hardcore that is hardcore I mean great whites that's like another level that's another level I can't yeah comprehend that their diet depends on the region and the pods approach to hunting because it's passed down right because they're super smart a lot of times they work together as they've learned over the years they hunt together and they can create those waves we've seen it I've seen the videos oh yeah they can create waves to wash seals off those ice flows or intentionally beach themselves to catch prey on shore. We've seen the pictures. They're nuts. They can be found everywhere across a variety of habitats in the world. I guess they're the most widely distributed animal next to humans. Oh, wow. I know. They can be found in every ocean in the world. What if? Okay. What if orcas are actually the dominant species on the planet? I'm saying. And humans are aliens. I'm saying. Let's, humans are aliens. Let me finish telling you all the things. Stay awake, everyone. Just listen because I'm saying. All right. They're, they're smarter than us. That's our theory now. It just, we are built to be able to do stuff on land and Mm -hmm. but i'm telling you they're smarter all right this is what i was talking about when i was saying there's like different types of killer whales there's resident transient and offshore where they are in the region will make it different on how they look what they eat their genetics Mm -hmm. are slightly different generally it's like one speed you know they kind of fall under this is a killer whale this is an orca but these ecotypes actually make them very different. This is what separates them as like distinct populations. Oh, okay. So you can't say killer whales are threatened because Altogether. in some areas mm-hmm. they might be in other areas they are not. They have these resident orcas in the North Pacific and they're fish specialists. There's another one called Biggs orcas and they're another type of North Pacific ecotype, but they're more transient. They don't stay right there and they eat mammals like harbor seals, mink whales, gray whales, mm-hmm. gray whale calves, actually I should say. But both residents and these bigs are in the North Pacific. There's an offshore, this is a third ecotype, and they are also can be found in the North Pacific, but little is known about them. It's hard to encounter them. It's hard to study them. So there's just not a lot known. They have large ranges that go from Southern California to the Bering Sea. Oh, wow. And there's not a lot known about it. Then we go up to those areas like Iceland, Norway, Scotland, Mm -hmm. and they call, they have two types, this North Atlantic type one and type two. And it really just, it's just different because on how they live in their pods and what they eat okay is how they kind of differentiate those so the southern resident population of killer whales in the pacific northwest Mm -hmm. was listed as endangered in 2015 and that's because historically the population and this doesn't seem like much but they lost 69 animals to live capture for use in the marine mammal parks and that was in the 60s until the endangered species act in 1974 so that reduced their numbers at the time from about 140 individuals to 71 so mostly these animals came from that area no this is one of the just one of the areas okay yeah so but this is the one that's listed as endangered versus the areas in like norway Mm -hmm. iceland and other parts of the world and for that area, which uh, there's a lot of websites on conserving the 
that population and studying that population Mm -hmm. as of 2020 i think the number was still around 76 individuals oh that's it and i'm going to go into their breeding and it'll kind of explain why there's not enough data to classify all the other killer whales but they think there's an estimated 50,000 globally. Oh, wow. But they're in all these different like regional groups. Yes. Kind of. Yes. Ecotypes. Ecotypes. Yeah. And so I know for sea turtles, we call it distinct population segments. And it's genetically Mm -hmm. how they're divided because there can be green turtles like everywhere, right? Kind of everywhere. But they broke it up into populations so you could, you know, list them in different categories. Right, right, right. So in New Zealand, they're thought to be less than 200. They're classified as nationally vulnerable. Um, And the most recent population estimate said 115. So that's not very much. They're the only other mammal that actually has a culture and they've evolved based on this culture. Oh. Yeah. So there was some research done by this guy, Andrew Foote. Um, he's a killer whale genetics expert and he found that orcas and humans share an ability for cult- culture-based evolution. And so he did a study in 2016 where they analyzed the genes of different orca pods and discovered that distinctions in genes coincided with distinctions in culture, such as their social behaviors. Oh, wow. They have different languages. They eat different things. They hunt differently. Right. It's just like people. Yeah. It's just so it's wild. So like you could have an orca from Southern California uh-huh. and an orca from like Iceland. Uh-huh. And they make different sounds. They like can't they- communicate. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Which is why Dilicum was getting his shit oh. beat up every day because yeah. he was from Iceland. And he's like, I don't you're not my pod. You're not my people. I can't communicate with you. Right. You're different. They're all different, but they just jam them together in these little pools. Hmm. Threats in the wild are chemical pollution, typically, or prey depletion because of people Mm -hmm. from overfishing and throwing all their trash everywhere. Other than that, there can be noise pollution from boats and like a lot of traffic in some of these areas, capture, hunting. That's what's keeping their population numbers down. They have long lifespans in the wild. They live about the same as us humans. They're used as an indicator species because they live a long life and Mm -hmm. they can represent the health of ocean systems as a whole. 34. That's a tragic age to die at. So in the wild, females can live 50 to 80 years and males live around 29 years on average, but Mm. up to 60 years. Oh. They don't live as long as females, but that's a long life. That is. I mean, I would say it's pretty average to humans. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Female killer whales reach sexual maturity around 7 to 16 years old while males it's around 10 to 17 but typically don't produce until they're 21 females they come into estrus several times a year and they'll mate with a male from another pod because oh. genetics they're gestation so they're pregnant for 15 to 18 months with one calf Whew. and the mortality rate is pretty good it's like 30 something to 50 percent in a couple of populations it was observed that all members of the pod stay and help raise the calf so and the weaning usually begins around one year old and it's complete by the time they're two but she'll only give birth to a calf every five years oh wow oh throughout their life they might they'll have different breeding partners live your best life (laughs) but listen to this and this is what's gonna blow your damn mind female orcas have they go into menopause (laughs) wait what there are only three mammals that go into menopause guess what one is obviously obviously yeah humans ladies of a certain age yes (laughs) 
ladies of a certain age, orcas, and pilot whales. Shut the front door. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. Yeah. So, so do they get like hot flashes? And stuff? I bet they do. They like lose a little bit of bone density. They'll go through menopause and they live for decades after. And some of them say that it's for like maybe they they evolved that way so that they could still like take care of yeah help with a pod and take care of raising yes. other calves, but to keep the genetics in check. Who knew that? Anyway, well, probably marine biologists. Know sure. That. Yeah. I just thought that was so amazing. Research also suggests that male offspring mm-hmm. of resident populations will live with their moms their entire lives. I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> I have a son. I know, that right? is not how I want that to go. <laughs> he will, he'll only temporarily leave her side, like literally, like they stay by their sides just to go and breed and then mm-hmm. come back. So 70% of their time within one body length of their mother until she dies. Wow. And she has menopause and she lives to be like 80. So he's so just Imagine your there. posse of sons. Right? Well, I mean, if they only You're have one like... every five years. I know, right? <laughs> so the female calves eventually will go off because they want to have their own young and you know yeah, they're yeah. gonna go to other pods but they're usually pretty close by like they don't go too far but then it's like the mom would always know why the son was leaving <laughs> yeah <laughs> where are you going son you'd be yeah, like you don't have to ask that you just don't wear protection right get, let's make some more orcas if you're get gonna go done. do that yeah, yeah let's do this anyway so um hashtag mom advice i know right <laughs> and they say that the death of the mother can be devastating to the offspring yeah especially if it happens in the first year of the calf's life in that young males are three times more likely to die than males whose mothers were still alive. Mm. Adult males over the age of 30 were eight times more likely to perish and daughters were about three times more likely to die. So resident populations are super family oriented. Mm-hmm. I think they know more, like I said, about resident populations than maybe some others. Like right there and they stay mm-hmm. there. But yeah. they do know that they do stay in pods from like around 15 or so. The only way of joining a matriline is by being born into it. Oh. And the only way of leaving it is to die to through die. death. Yeah. That's, that's some mafia that's hardcore. shit right there. It's hard to understand because they're so different from us, how intelligent they are and mm-hmm. how much they mean to each other. Right. I feel like it's how we feel. Yeah. And I know you're not supposed to put feelings on animals, but I'm sure, going to tell sure, you sure. some stuff in a little bit that it's just you can't not. I feel like I chose the right science news today. You did. So <laughs> a couple of fun facts that I already, one already mentioned that they speak different languages mm-hmm. because they come from different clans. It's a difference between like an English or a Russian or a Chinese speaker being in the same room. I also already mentioned that they're the most widespread animal in the world after humans. They can be found along the waters of the equator from the Hawaiian Islands, Galapagos, Gulf of California, all the way to the Arctic, Antarctic, everywhere. Here's something cool. Orcas cannot smell. So they don't have an olfactory system. At all? At all. They have zero sense of smell. So orcas actually use their hearing and practice echolocation. Do they make like chirps or is it just whenever they make their noises and then they... Um, I'm not sure. They I... do make a lot of like chirps and clicking sounds. They also have these giant brains. Second largest brain of any marine mammal. Only second to sperm whales. That is huge. Their brains can weigh up to 15 pounds. And so a lot of scientists use brain size, brain weight versus body weight to mm-hmm. measure intelligence. By that measure, if they're going to use that measure, the orca's brain size is two and a half times larger than the average of any other animals. And because of their like social language, echolocation abilities, it's yeah, they believe their intelligence far surpasses what their brain size suggests. Interesting. Yeah, people always say that cats are not as smart as dogs because that because of that ratio. Really? 
cat brain size to body size is a smaller ratio than brain dog it's brain just size. condensed thank you they're not That's wasting insane. any of it they're not wasting they don't have you know what they don't have time for that they don't have time for that nonsense here's another cool thing about their brains is that they sleep differently than us so humans have a breathing reflex so when we sleep we become unconscious and our breathing automatically happens they can't do that if they did that then they would just die they have to be like awake and alert so what they do is they literally sleep with one eye open and they shut down half their brain while they're like slowly still cruising along so like if their right eye is open the left side of their brain is sleeping we need to lock down that right there yeah because we get a lot more done it's called unihemispheric sleep i wonder what kind of dreams you'd have like that Like, like if you could dream in half your brain, yeah, what would that be like? I don't know because there's like the right brain, left brain, right? Thing. Would it make a difference? I don't know, but I don't know. I was talking to my husband about that when I read this. I was like, listen to this, <laughs> and he was like, that's crazy. He's like, I and he said the same thing. I wish we could do that. I was like, yeah, but if, what if only my right brain was awake? I'd be all like super artistic, or you know, we got to write to Dr. Huberman and be like, hey, hey, can this happen? Is this a possibility? Are you guys working on this yet? Like, Sleep studies. So now that we've talked about orcas in the wild. Yes. I like calling them orcas better than killer whales. Uh, well, yeah. It doesn't bother anybody. It's a better name. Because mm-hmm. they're not whales. Yeah. And they're not, I mean, they are killers sure. of things. Sure. But I don't know. I mean, we don't call ourselves killer humans. <laughs> we should, which would be more appropriate and, sure. uh, to yeah. generalize. Yeah. Yes. So orcas in captivity. Let's talk about that. So as we know, they're highly social, intelligent. They've been forced into entertainment. Yay. Perfect. Performing shows for audiences. But it's now totally clear to most everybody that they do not thrive in captivity. They are supposed to swim up to 40 miles. I said 60 miles. Six, I've read both a day. Forge for food and exercise. They dive 100 to 500 feet several times a day. And whether they're in the wild or captivity, they have that same innate drive mm-hmm. to swim far and dive deep. So when they're in some sort of pool or artificial, <laughs> artificial enclosure, they just can't. Boredom, stress, and also being attacked by other orcas that can't understand them or don't understand them or even if they're captive bred they're just it's not right they're typically pulled from their mothers too soon that is something that they talked about in the documentary as well so in captivity when they're kept in these artificial social groups that don't match and they're transferred between facilities it breaks up even whatever social relationships they can build and the stress is just compounded by the fact that they don't have the ability to escape the conflict like they would in the wild wild, they can just swim away they're being held prisoner as of august 2021 Mm -hmm. so recent there's at least 57 orcas still in captivity oh wow i didn't i didn't realize i guess i thought that when because i'm sure you're gonna talk about this sea world decommissioned their orca program well i'll I'll talk about that they didn't quite they just changed it so well i'll just tell you well that's probably my bad because i don't i don't like fully read no so what happened happened is they they said by 2019 they were going to stop their orca show yes right and decommission so what they have done i think is they stopped the captive breeding okay so that's good good they are stopping the entertainment show but there still is entertainment in the form of education oh no yeah well i think because so there's a lot of organizations that are trying to get all of the orcas back to the wild but it's hard it's taken years and years for some of them and there's one example that i'll talk about at the end 
what they're doing now is they're like they put a bunch of fish in their tanks so they can actively chase fish okay i mean it's yeah so we're not gonna have any more calves born great there's no more artificial insemination that's very positive we got that they gave them some fish that are alive instead of throwing them dead ones and i guess they're not doing the entertainment part anymore but they're still in the same i think they're gonna be more of like an aquarium type thing sure sure sure. like here they are here's some outreach we're gonna talk about it and that's just sea world but there's parks all over there's still Mm -hmm. the one that's in spain Mm -hmm. there's still there's chinese ones there's russian ones there's a lot that are still up to recently still capturing live wild orcas so based on this so there's two there's still at least at least that they know a 57 and being held in captivity 27 of those were captured in the wild and 30 of those were born in captivity at least 166 orcas have been taken into captivity from the wild since 1961 so there is one the longest surviving orca in captivity today is named Corky. Um, she was captured in 1969. She was one of the northern resident populations oh, okay. that were they captured mm-hmm. before they put a stop to it. So what happened is they were capturing them. You know, they took I don't remember how many did I say from that population. 69? Didn't you say 69? I think it was 69, yeah. which depleted the population quite a bit. Broke up that family. Even when they're taking them from the wild, there's other ones that are dying right. because they're fighting to keep their calves or to keep their family together and they end up dying in the process so they steal some and then let the other ones die and you know what they did they talk about this in the documentary too and i keep saying that but i just can't believe it yeah so one of the guys who was in charge of stealing these orcas Mm -hmm. he said that the ones that had died they were told to cut them open fill them with rocks so they would go to the bottom and he's like at the time i didn't realize that that's because it probably wasn't legal what we were doing I mean, he was sad. He's like, I took a baby from its mom. And he's like, I know what I did was wrong, basically. He's like, I did a terrible thing. Yeah. I mean, he's kind of like an old guy now filled with regret. He said, it's all happening. And I didn't like, it's not something I could stop doing right when when it's happening mm-hmm. i would just just kept it going to get it done as a side note i think i want to live my life in a way that i don't experience that feeling of regret at the end of my life yeah that like i did something so um yeah awful yeah and kind of knew well it. and i was like good on you for talking about it so yeah. at least we can learn from it and see your regrets so maybe other people wouldn't do it but right right corky like i said she was taken from the northern resident population around vancouver canada she went to SeaWorld san diego none of her seven offspring that she had in captivity survived her family known as a5 pod i know you'll like that oh that's thank you continue to thrive in the wild including her brother is still out there who so, you can adopt through the whale and dolphin conservation usa at uswells.org oh, just saying okay has there not been any thought to taking her back to that pod since it's a known pod and releasing her uh, and being yes. like bros there's people that I think have spent almost the entire last 30 years trying to get her back. Right. Yeah. And it's still like, no, we're going to keep her for quote unquote education. Yeah. I don't. Is she still at SeaWorld yes. San Diego? Yeah. Of those original 100, what, like I said, 166 orcas that were taken into captivity since 1961, mm-hmm. including Corky, 129 of those are now dead. I mean, a lot of it, it was a while ago. So yeah. at least 170 orcas have died in captivity, not including 30 miscarried uh, stillborn calves and they say SeaWorld has 19 orcas in three different parks. So they have the Orlando, San Antonio, and San Diego and at least 43 orcas have died within their parks. 43. 
One of the most infamous capture incidents saw 80 whales from the southern resident population of orcas in Washington State rounded up at Penn Cove in 1970. Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the ones that I was referring to. Seven were taken into captivity while as many as five died. That was what he was talking about. Right. Yeah. Um, Today, that population is recognized as endangered. Only one capture whale, Lolita, is still alive. And she's at the Miami Seaquarium. It's almost like saying, like, which prison are they at? Yeah. I feel like that. They're at this penitentiary. Yeah. Since 2002, there have been at least 19 orcas taken from the wild into captivity. Since 2002. Mostly in Russia. Up. 10 were illegally caught in 2018 and held in a holding facility, but they were released back to the wild. Oh, good. So there's that. Now that people have watched these documentaries, they're starting to feel like, you know what? Wait a minute. I love this when I was a kid. It's just like us. They're like, but it was, but this is wrong, you know? So they know it's wrong. Did you ever watch Free Willy? Yes. I feel like Free Willy made it too cutesy. I, I haven't seen it since it was in the it, 90s it was when like it was a, out. Yeah, it was really, it's, I feel like you watched that movie and it's really about like one like a boy and his orca yeah it's not about the plight of the Mm -hmm. orca you know what i mean like i feel like they could have gone darker with it and started getting people thinking i'm gonna talk about okay free willy excellent nobody knows about all these accidents illnesses all the pregnancies that failed all the premature deaths Mm -hmm. and now they're starting to see it just like with the circuses and like it's coming to light so sea worlds they had to change they were losing patronage oh for sure especially Especially after Don, the oh, trainer, was yeah. was killed. So let me talk about a couple of famous orcas. Yes. Which we... <laughs> Which you just brought up. But I'm going to talk about Shamu because we all know the Shamu show. Shamu. Shamu. For years. For years. I thought yeah. Shamu was what you called an orca. Yes. Right? Right. It, like it, it when you're confusing. younger, you're like, oh, so you see an orca. That's Shamu. That's yes. right. But no, that was the name of one individual orca. But was it, wasn't it like more than one orca? Did they, I think they, they kept rename renaming them. <laughs> yeah. But the original Shamu was a healthy orca, unlike mm. some others that I guess they, I, I guess there were three that were caught. And this is also from that Southern resident in Puget Sound, Washington, the one that they just scooped him up. I guess there were a couple that were maybe taken opportunistically. I don't know if they were just like there and they're like, let's take this and go sell it. Look, you know? we have this giant net. Let's uh, let's go take this orca. Right. I, I don't know what that means, but that's what they said. Mm-hmm. But she was intentionally caught a live capture of a healthy orca. Um, and this was in 1965 um, to be a companion to a male. That was named Namu, and he was at the Griffin's Seattle Public Aquarium. But where was he from? I don't know. It doesn't say if they were probably all from the same area because they Mm. were just scooping him up over there. But so her name actually means friend of Namu, of Shamu. Like not long after that, I don't know if they got together and it just didn't work out or whatever happened, or they just got offered a lot of money for her for her from SeaWorld. But she Mm. was sold to the San Diego SeaWorld in 1965. She was there from 1965 until her death in 1971. She retired from performing after an incident in April of 1971 where she bit the legs and hips of a SeaWorld employee who was trying to ride her. Uh, uh. She refused to release that lady. Those other rescuers had to come and like pry the orca's jaws off of her. And they said because they blamed it because she had a bikini on, which they told her to wear. And then, you know, it's like a publicity thing. Right. But they said that Shamu just wasn't used to training with somebody in a bikini and that triggered her. But actually, how about it's she's just, just she's, mad yeah she's just over it you know so she died four months after that incident so she couldn't have been more than 10 years old wow freakishly short life 
Yes. And that's how it was for a lot of them in the early days. It seemed like they just died pretty quickly. So let's talk about Free Willy, also known as Kiko. Yes. I have read a couple articles where they say that this is Tilikum's twin. They were both from Iceland and captured around the same time. Um, They were sons of Iceland, I like to think of. That's sad. Kiko was born in the waters of Iceland, like I said, in 1977 or 78. Mm -hmm. So he was about two years old when he was captured, held by the fishermen in an aquarium in Iceland and then sold to Marineland in Canada. Three years later, when he was about five years old, he was sold to a Mexico City amusement park called Reino Adventura. (sighs) Wow. Just let that sink in for a minute. Mexico City is a mile high, which means the air is thin, the sun is bright, and there's a lot of air pollution. His tank was really small, really warm, filled with tap water mixed with salt rather than than real seawater. He came from Iceland. I guess he was very popular with the public, but his health was deteriorating, obviously. When he was 15, Warner Brothers began filming the movie Free Willy. That was in 1992. Mm -hmm. And I think because of legal, you know, trying to work with other orcas maybe it was too difficult but mexico come on yeah like we'll pay you to work with that and they're like do it it became a surprise hit in 1993 that's why i haven't seen it since it was on vhs i'm pretty sure so warner brothers used kiko for the film in his mexico city tank and u.s aquarium oh yeah because u.s aquariums refused to allow filming of the story in their facilities so in 1994 after the movie was out the international marine mammal project of the earth science or sorry of the earth island institute eii Mm-hmm. which is one of our organizations to support because they did this freaking awesome thing. They put together this environmental advocacy group for marine wildlife and they brought in Warner Brothers because everybody that was part of that movie were like, damn, this is sad. Yeah. Like we just made this movie. Gonna leave them there, right? Yeah. And they just, they saw the conditions. They knew it was bad. He didn't get freed. He didn't get freed. <laughs> and there were all these people that were like, well, where's Will? What happened to Willie? Like, are, where can we find him in the ocean? Where did he get free? Is he really free? And they're like, nope yeah he's still in that little tank jesus so they raised all this money and they began to because it's not like they can just pick him up and flop him back in iceland right like it won't work so he's been there since he was two (laughs) they can't just put him in a giant plastic bag (laughs) it's insane what they did i mean it's a huge i mean anybody who worked i mean any job any job but especially as a biologist just to think about what it took to accomplish what they did is why this is one of our organizations to support they began looking for a location where he could be like rehabilitated because yeah. he was very sickly. Yeah. They've got all this funding and they put put together this Free Willy slash Kiko Foundation with the some financial support of Warner Brothers. I'm like, come on. That's a good, that's a good backer right there. Wow. Um that's that's kind of impressive though. It is. But because they're literally the people who exploited this animal on another level. You know, what I mean they're not right. necessarily the But this zoo, is good PR for them. But this is yeah, yeah, this is a good way to fix that. Exactly. But I'm like, whatever. Little karma back. Whatever. You know? it took to get him out of there yes so they found this couple craig um and wendy mccaw he was a telecommunication pioneer and they built this which i don't know what that has to do with this but they built Mm -hmm. this large state-of-the-art facility for him on the oregon coast aquarium in newport oregon i mean i guess it was like this huge rehabilitation area where he could have like real seawater wow so in 1995 they donated the reno adventura donated i don't know how that works maybe they just i don't know anyway they (laughs) 
donated Kiko to the foundation and they announced that Kiko would be moved to a new $7.3 million rehabilitation facility. Someone got a real big payout. So, someone I, from that place. Just saying. Because if it was like a major attraction. They and, like slid some cash across the table and they're like, yes. can you donate him? And here's billions of dollars. <laughs> and we have this animal that you're donating to us. Right. I'm making I would like quotes. to think that maybe they were just nice people that they felt sorry for him and they did donate him. That's really nice. Thank you. Let's think about it. With the, with the help of the Humane Society of the <laughs> sorry, U.S. Sorry, I'm just, what? I'm just imagining like the owner of that, that park or whatever, yeah. just like zipping through the streets of Mex- Mexico City in a freaking Maserati. <laughs> <laughs> And the license plate Kiko on it. I'm just saying. Kiko number one. (laughs) All right. Anyway. I'm sorry. 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 They got the Humane Society to become a sponsor because, yeah. And before they could move him from Mexico City, they had to like chill the water in his tank. Yeah. A little bit, which I'm sure he was like, thank you. It's been like, (laughs) what, 15 freaking years and I'm in here just boiling. And so in January 1996, USPS. Oh my God. Stepped forward to donate airlifting him from Mexico City to the Oregon Coast Aquarium. Isn't that cool? That's amazing. They said he was in very poor health and underweight. He only weighed 7,000. I know it's like only, but But he should be. Yeah. He only weighed 7,720 pounds. That's like half the size of his brother twin. His brother twin from yeah. Iceland. And so, but they say by the time he did get back to Iceland, because he does, he weighed 11,500 pounds. What? He yep. bulked up. He bulked up like the orca bull that he is. I'm and so his, excited. So he had his new big aquarium in Oregon. He experienced that real, like I said, real seawater um, for the first time in 14 years. Jesus. I know. They had a special system. I mean, $7.4 million. They had a system to keep it clean. There were no harsh chemicals. He had his own veterinarian. Um, that helped him like gain all the weight back. In the first year alone, he gained a thousand pounds. Wow. Yeah. My thousand pound life right there. <laughs> also, he was covered in like skin lesions. Oh. All of those healed. Um, he learned how to like catch fish. And after three years of all this rehabilitation and training, mm-hmm. they said, okay, I think he's good to go. He was catching and eating live steelhead weighing from three to 12 pounds each. Everything was like seeming to come together that it's like, okay, I think we can do this. So what they needed to do actually was to get him back over to another kind kind of native waters but in Iceland but also sort of protected because they didn't want to just like again just drop him in the ocean yeah you know they're like he's rehabilitated we think he's ready but they didn't want to risk it so they say after considerable negotiations (laughs) I'm like is that considerable money or is that I don't know yeah the Icelandic government approved the foundation's proposal that Kiko be allowed to return to the seaside sanctuary in his home waters that's in 1998 oh my god so they built this large sea pen to, you know, kind of protect him in one of the bays. Yeah. And on September 9th, 1998, he was airlifted from his tank in Newport, Oregon. And this is a long flight, just saying. By U.S. Air Force C-17 transport jet. I know. Isn't that cool? That's pretty cool. I'm like, you got the Postal Service, you got the Air Force. Like, everybody's like, let's do this. So he went back to Iceland. He was in a sea pen catching live fish, becoming acclimated. Soon he was able to like swim the whole bay that was netted and began to make these trips out to the open ocean. They had a guide boat like going with them. (laughs) I mean, it's really... The guide boat was like his mom on his first day of kindergarten. I think so. Yeah. But he's like 30. Right. (laughs) But he was had some wild orcas with him sometimes. And by the summer of 2002, he was pretty much on his own and occasionally with other orcas because he probably 
Teapot forgot the language. Yeah. He only spoke Spanish. Right? <laughs> and the other orcas were like, bro, we speak Icelandic. Yeah. The, he didn't like the music. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like they're playing Bjork up there. He was like, no. It's like, I'm not into it. I'm not into this. And they said in one day in, in 2002, he began his epic journey on his own, nearly 1,000 miles across the North Atlantic to the coast of Norway. Oh my God. He put on his big boy pants. He was totally on his own for about 60 days without any supplemental food from people because I guess they were still, still supplementing help, him, helping yeah, yeah. him out. Um, and based on, and I'm sure they had some sort of tagging, you know, transmitter yeah. on him, but they said based on his diving to, uh, behavior, his condition when he arrived in Norway, they thought he he fed himself and he did completely fine in the wild. Wow. I know. He really got free. He really got free. F- Willie got free. They said he encountered a lot of people and boats in Norway and for his protection, he actually, they moved him to a quieter area yeah. where he could still go out in the open ocean waters, which he did frequently. Sadly, on December 12, 2003, he died in Norway. And the company, they said of staff members and people who've been caring for him, I think they tried to treat him, but mm-hmm. they said it was acute pneumonia was the most likely cause of death, which again happens a lot to captive, um, captive yeah, orcas. And so, I mean, he wasn't out long when right. he died, but at least he did. At least he was yeah. free, you know? So he was about 27 years old when he died, which is a little under, you know, the 35 to 50 years that they're known or more that they're known to live Mm -hmm. but he was the second oldest male orca who'd ever lived in long-term captivity so i think the first would have been Uh, tilikum yeah the only long-term captive orca that's ever been given a chance to return to native waters wow the only one but they still have this facility right that's what i'm wondering like why don't they just uh go through the list a seven million dollar facility right for orcas like just just next yeah orca yeah you know that's how i feel rehabilitate get them acclimated find out where they came from just trying to pry him out of the hands of these people who are holding them in captivity because they're still making money off of them. Right. A lot of people were like, he didn't live long enough. It didn't work. You know, there was all this skepticism, which I'm like, F you guys. Who it cares? did work. It, he, yes. It did work. Because he, he was thrived. driving. He was eating on his own. I would suspect that maybe those 15 years in captivity were the reason that he died young. Thank you. Not his freedom. Yes. In the waters where he was I mean, supposed to be. Fif- most of his life, he was living in water that wasn't meant for him yeah so of Since course too. it's gonna be difficult for him to and, acclimate and also like probably i'm speculating but his lungs didn't develop properly he didn't develop properly right. he was only two yeah. when he was caught also he had that dorsal fin flop over right which we that sh- it shows it in the movie and a lot of people question that but it did work and there shouldn't be skepticism and they should be allowing more to go back to their native waters they say you know evidence shows obviously that orcas in captivity it's inhumane it shortens their lives mm-hmm. And during the years in which Kiko was rescued, he regained his health, returned to his home waters. 17 other orcas died in captivity during that time, along with many more captive dolphins and whales. There you go. The problem here, and this is coming from this website that I was talking about, which is the International Marine Mammal Project. They're the ones that orchestrated the, for him to go back to the wild. Mm-hmm. Of course, with Warner Brothers and Humane Society and a lot of people. So in their website, they do say U.S. law continues to encourage the keeping of dolphins and whales in captivity and small tanks just to entertain us. It's a cruel and inhumane practice that now has been outlawed by several other countries in the world. The capturing of whales and dolphins for captivity is 
extremely harmful with many animals dying. Like I said, it's not just the ones you're stealing. It's the other ones that are fighting to keep their loved ones yeah. with them. Mm-hmm. Several places, notably in Taji, Japan, whales and dolphins are slaughtered, but some are caught for captivity. I don't want to go too far down the road with Japan. Sure. Well, also just recently, the Faroe Islands, you know, they have a yearly, I think it's a yearly dolphin, uh, dolphin slaughter. Yeah, slaughter. No slaughter. And it's, yeah. I, I've, you know, you see a lot of things going around now that it would, I mean, it's excessive. It's we're in, excessive. <clears throat> we're in a time where, yes, there are traditional foods and there are traditional things, uh, cultures and practices yeah. you want to respect. But uh-huh. when it comes to uh, the slaughter of just hundreds, it doesn't. I, w- yeah. You've seen the pictures. We've all seen yeah. the pictures like that. I mean, I, yeah, exactly. I really, I do respect people's cultures. And mm-hmm. when I was in Japan for a sea turtle symposium, yeah, we were talking about turtles and there was all this work going towards sea turtles. Yeah. And I kind of leaned over to our interpreter. I was like, what about whales? Yeah. Like, does anybody do anything? She's like, we're not going to talk about that. She just shut me down. She was like, nope. Nope. She's like, you keep your damn Western head out of it. Sure. So, I don't know. I don't want to go down that road, but I, I have feelings. Yeah. And they're all, I feel like these things are all connected. <laughs> because I we lived on islands where they mm-hmm. do practice sustainable hunts for dirt, certain fish or turtles or things mm-hmm. that maybe are endangered. Well, we know turtles are endangered in other areas, but they did it in a way that was sustainable to feed themselves right and to feed their family and it wasn't anything that was damaging to the population correct so that's all i'm saying but so i don't know enough if somebody wants to you know throw some info our way sure feel free because i didn't research it because it's not my culture and i don't want to be disrespectful right i mean let's just talk about uh american culture of keeping animals in cages like yeah so that's what we're talking about that's what we're talking about today yeah then that's fine i can just bash on them all day the culture of uh, consumerism consumerism and humane practices for our entertainment yeah there was a blog in the whale and dolphin conservation site Mm-hmm. from an author named Rob Lott. And I liked what he said, so I'm just going to read it. It says, Tilikum should be the last and final orchid to die in captivity. The sorry tale of incarceration of one of the most majestic creatures to inhabit the earth simply for our entertainment must end. The orcas held at SeaWorld and in Miami, Florida, and Japan, Argentina, Canada, France, and the Canary Islands, Russia, and China deserve a better life. The whale dolphin conservation is working hard to establish sanctuaries for captive whales and dolphins. Sanctuaries must be established for the orcas that remain in captivity before they to meet a sorry end performing silly tricks for miseducated crowds. Amen. Amen. So organizations who support, I have two, which I brought up. International Marine Mammal Project. They are the ones I just talked about mm-hmm. that helped Free Willy. And they say that for more than 30 years, the International Marine Mammal Project has led the fight to protect dolphins, whales, and the ocean environment. We pioneered the dolphin-safe tuna fishing standard, sure. stopping the interna- international chasing and netting of dolphins and preventing many deaths every year. Mm. We directed the historic rescue and release of the orca called Kiko, made famous by the movie Free Willy, and we are fighting to end tragic slaughter of dolphins in Japan as featured in the Academy Award winning movie The Cove, which I cannot watch. No. I can't. I can't do it. Anyway, we're we're campaigning to stop all trade in live dolphins and in captivity of whales and dolphins for circus performances. So They're pretty cool. You can go on their page. You can donate. There's lots of information. Also, the second one, lots 
of information I brought up the whale and dolphin conservation. They're at uswhales.org. They do a lot of work with the Pacific Northwest dolphin, uh, sorry, orcas. Oh, okay. Yeah. That one resident population. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Uh, they say our vision of, the, of a world where every whale and dolphin is safe and free is not a noble gesture, but an essential means to a sustain to sustain the future of our earth by increasing the planet's climate resiliency. Mm-hmm. The carbon level, right? In the oceans. Yes. It's fully tied into these giant animals. Right. Yeah. So I like that. It's like where every whale and dolphin is safe and free is not a noble gesture. It just is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's like... It's what we should be doing. What we should be doing. Yeah. 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 So those are the two organizations. I don't know if we can put anything in our emergency preparedness kit for this because... You know, let me just tell you, Jen, I've been thinking about this. Because we just need to... Yeah. This is one of those... This is one of those episodes, one of those situations, um, just like when we were talking about elephants, just like when we were talking about chimpanzees. Mm-hmm. But in this case... That don't be a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we already covered so, that. Uh, we already covered that. Yeah. But I'm just going to say, because you talked a lot about how orcas are into family, okay? Yes. Hear me out. And they're matriarchal. I think that orcas... And they go through menopause. <sighs> they go through menopause. Uh, they need to have like a Donna Corleona, or like a Donna Corleorca. <laughs> Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Maybe this is what they're like already doing. Like an orca doing. mafia? Like an orca mafia uh-huh. to keep people away from them. Oh, right? yeah. You know what I mean? And and maybe they should, because they're like top predator. Uh-huh. I mean, obviously, this is what they should be doing. They should be talking to other animals under them, like great whites, right? And yes. those should be like their thugs. I'm totally, I'm totally following you here. They would just randomly have one of their, one of their um, cronies put like the head of a, a seal like on somebody's pillow yeah (laughs) (laughs) on a boat It's like a warning. Yes. Yes. I mean, that's kind of gross, but it's gross. But I, you know what I'm getting? I mean, I, yeah, just the orca godmother. Like I'm already picturing the cover to the movie with like that um, puppet. Oh, my. God. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But it's like a whale. It's like a, a flipper. Fin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a whale. I mean, a orca. Yeah. Yeah. I, they just need to establish a Donna Corleorcas. Donna Corleorcas. Corley- that's really hard to say. That's going to be hard to spell, too. <laughs> I was thinking about, too, that they could do, you know, since the women live old. Yeah. I mean, it fits, right? It fits. They're like making... Their sons follow them everywhere. I can now picture, you know, like the sons with like some shades and some like sweet hair. Guaranteed. Gold chains. Yes. I'm into it. The gray patch on their back. They have it like, (laughs) they have like different colors for it. (laughs) There could be some mullets. Some jumpsuits. Some rat tails. <laughs> that happens. Like when the when the females go into menopause, what the, the men's have like, they don't have a yeah. mid, midlife crisis. Right, yeah. And grow a ponytail. For sure. Yep. I can see all of it. Perfect. That's what, that's what needs to happen. All right. I think so. <sighs> mm-hmm. I'm into it. They do work together as a family. Right. To Family first. They're, you know? A, you know, work together to catch their prey. Mm-hmm. So oh, I totally see it. Yeah. All right. That's what they need. I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you made it through that whole story. And there's so much more. Oh, boy. Yeah. yeah. It's hard to squeeze it all in there. But go watch Blackfish. All right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's it's really good. I try not to feel guilty for the times that I did partake in any kind of... When you're younger. Well, yeah. But you're not taking your kids to those places now. Like, I don't... Yes. I know that when... when Because I'm sure it will happen. I take my son to the mainland and we go to Florida because mm-hmm. we have family there. There's going to be a conversation about SeaWorld. Yes. And my 
my conversation will be like, no, we're not, we're not going to go to. Well, Super I think Bowl. that's all we can do, right? Is mm-hmm. just talk to our kids. They they talk to their friends. I mean, it yeah. kind of it spreads. Yeah. So I can definitely remember until I was in like high school, just my love of SeaWorld. Yeah. Just, it was my favorite favorite place to go. Well, I lived in Oklahoma, so we didn't right. do that. Yeah. <laughs> I did go to the Seattle Aquarium, but there were no yeah, no yeah. orcas there. Can we shout out some a Patreon? Let's do it. All Patreon right. time. I do know that we had two Catherines become what? Patreons recently. One with a C and one with a K. So thank you, Catherine and Catherine, for being a part of our Nature Nerd family. Wow, that's awesome. In one week. You guys In are one like, week. It's like a you mind know meld. Each other? What's happening? It's like a Catherine <laughs> telepathy. I really like that name too, by the way. Catherine? Yeah. It is a nice name. My aunt's name. We also want to give a shout out to our other patron, Rebecca. Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us. Which is my other aunt's name. Hey. Come on. Are these your aunts, Jen? What's going on? They're like, we're not her aunts. Maybe That's they are. amazing. Thank you guys so much. We hope you are enjoying your Patreon experience. And if mm-hmm. anybody else wants to become a patron, all you have to do is go to our website or click the link tree on Instagram mm-hmm. and go to the Patreon site. And it's so easy. It takes like seconds. seconds. And then you have so much bonus information. You know all that amazing science news we share? Oh my there's gosh. There's so many of them on there. So many now. So many. And there's also a bunch of bonus episodes. It's a truth. Yep. Mm-hmm. So go check it out. Another way you could support. Subscribe rate and review yes always and i'll send you a sticker yeah it'll happen anyway but thank you for the lovely reviews yeah thank you for listening yes and uh until next time don't die out there bye, bye. Um, Tillamook's, or sorry, <laughs> chocolate. I think, I think you said it. Tillamook is like a type of cheese, too. It's like a cheese, cheese brown. Oh, Did God. I say it already? Yeah, you already you said it once before. I was like, wait, is that a thing? <laughs> so, I'm going to take one of your Tillicums okay, and okay, okay. cut Thank it back you. into Please that. Catch that. Yes. So anyway, so 